So my name is Ryan, um, one of the leaders here at Denton North. Welcome. If this is your first time, then um, I'm not on staff, so don't take this as like a representation of like what our church is like normally or what the staff is like, you know. Don't blame me if anything goes wrong. Um, so we are like, I guess like towards the end of a series about stories about Jesus. And um, yeah, I'll be continuing that today. We might have one more. I don't know. It probably depends on how much sleep that Ari lets Josh get. So we'll see about that. Um, so I'm going to pray and then we will get started. And this is like super wobbly, but you know, we'll just see what happens. Um, Lord, just thank you for this time with your community. Um, thank you for your word and the way that you speak to us through that. And yeah, I just pray that you would speak this morning, that it would be your words, and that you would just open our hearts and minds to what you want us to hear. Amen. All right, so we're going to be reading out of Luke 7 today, Luke 7, 36 through 50. Um, this story is sometimes called Jesus anointed by a sinful woman. Sometimes it's called a sinful woman forgiven. Um, I'm going to be working off the CSB translation, but there's like some uh, commentary and modifications that I've made. So things don't match exactly what's in your Bible. That's why it's a little like liberties taken to uh, hopefully put some like humanity into this story and help us to see what's happening here. So, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to eat with him. He entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And immediately I wonder, like, why did Jesus go eat with the Pharisee? Like, he knows what's going to happen here. So, was he just here to cause trouble, or was he here to, like, spread some other message um, among the Pharisees? So, there was a woman in town who was a sinner, and she found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume and stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair, kissing them and anointing them with the perfume. So we have this woman with a reputation of being a sinner. She finds out that Jesus is at this Pharisee's house, and she decides to invite herself over and... Um, create what I can only imagine is like quite a scene at this person's house. And uh, I can just really imagine like this Pharisee, this person hosting this dinner, feeling all this like firsthand and secondhand embarrassment about what's going on. It's like, gosh, I like had this dinner, invited over all these guests. Then this person who's like a sinner, like walked into my house and <laughs> interrupted my dinner. And she's like weeping over one of my guests. Like what is happening here? Like, I would be so embarrassed and probably horrified if this happened. So when the sinner who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man was the prophet I assumed he was, he would know what kind of sinner is touching him. How did I, how did I invite such a fool? So Jesus said to him, hey, Simon, can I talk to you? And uh, I can just imagine Simon like deeply sighing, like, sure, go ahead. Um, <laughs> A notorious sinner is already making a scene in my house over this, like, false teacher. Like, could this situation get any worse? Maybe he wants to, like, show himself out. Maybe this guy's decided it's time for him to leave. 
So then Jesus tells this story. He says, um, two men, two people are in debt to a man. One owed $70,000 and the other about $6,000. Since they couldn't pay it back, the man graciously forgave them both. So which one of them will love him more? I can imagine Simon sighing again like, you know, probably the one who was forgiven more. Jesus says, you're correct. Then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? You invited me to your house and you offered me no water to clean my feet. But she with her tears washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. In fact, you barely acknowledged when I entered, much less gave me a kiss. But she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You also didn't anoint my head with olive oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much. But the one who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And I wonder at this point if Simon realized like what Jesus was saying about him, not about the woman, but about Simon. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. So the thing that we're gonna talk about today is forgiveness. And I really wanna like circle around this thing that Jesus said um, after he rebuked Simon. So to put it like simply, the one who is forgiven much loves much, while the one who is forgiven little loves little. And uh, I don't know about y'all, but I identify with the Pharisee. I am the Pharisee. Um, I need to be challenged to seek my own forgiveness. I need to be challenged to forgive others more freely. And I need to be challenged to delight in watching other people being forgiven. Right. So as we talk about this, please don't hear me lecturing you in forgiveness and how you need to be forgiven or how you need to forgive others. Um, if anything, this sermon is for me first and then for you. Um, I'm continuously challenged as I, as I think about this and realize the, the shortcomings in my own forgiveness. But then as I think about our church community, I do wonder like where, how much do we use the language of forgiveness or the tools of forgiveness in the way that we solve our problems with each other or the way that we approach the world? Are we more likely to go to books or videos or our own knowledge? You know, we're mostly all here because we're in college or came through college and we've been trained to be self-sufficient problem solvers. Do we see forgiveness not just as like a tool in our tool belt or like the tool that God has given us for dealing with sin and solving some of these issues? So I would like you all to be thinking about like your own relationship with forgiveness, um, whether that's you receiving forgiveness or you forgiving others, um, how loving or unloving you are towards others and God, and whether those things might be related. I can definitely tell you that for me, I really struggle to love people well when I let things build up between me and them that I haven't forgiven. It's like this debt this wall accrues between us and just makes it very difficult to, to love them and really to love anyone in general when there's sin that hasn't been dealt with that I know I need to deal with. So we're going to dig some into 
what forgiveness is, what forgiveness isn't, and then we're going to have like a practical exercise. So I have a few areas of like what forgiveness is and isn't, and I just want to say first that like each one of these could probably be like its own sermon or its own like book. Like there's so much to be said about forgiveness and so many verses about forgiveness. So if I leave out like your favorite verse or something you think is really important, I'm sorry. There's only so much I could include in here and only so much that I I understand. So to begin with, forgiveness is the paying of the debt of our sin. Um, I think this is super clear just in the story in Luke 7 that Jesus is making a very clear comparison between the forgiveness of sin and the wiping clean of a debt. Um, It's very clear that Jesus, he's the one who's able to do this. Um, The people watching are very confused, like, how how can he do this? But Jesus, he's the one with the authority. He doesn't appeal to anyone else. He is our Lord. He can forgive our sins. And also, he didn't put any stipulations on this woman's forgiveness. He said, your faith has forgiven you, or your faith has saved you. Not your knowledge has saved you, not your corrected behavior has saved you, and not your gifts have saved you. This woman's acts of love, they were the result of her forgiveness. They weren't the things that like earned her forgiveness. They came after her being forgiven. But on the flip side of that, um, it's important to see that forgiveness doesn't justify sin. It doesn't justify what we did. In this story and in other stories where Jesus forgives people, he never tells them like, hey, like, it's okay. It's like actually fine what you did. Um, when Jesus is going to dinner with Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus decides to like give back all the money that is cheated, Jesus isn't like, oh no, it, it's actually fine. Like you don't need to do that. It's okay. <laughs> These things that you've done, um, no excuses are made. There are no justifications. Sin is sin. And as long as like I'm trying to justify what I've done or make up excuses, if I don't recognize what I've done is sin, then I actually can't be forgiven because um, I don't see it as sin. I don't see the need for forgiveness. And I suspect that this is part of why the Pharisee was forgiven little because he didn't see the own sin. He didn't see the sin in his own life. Um, He justified the things that he did as like enforcing the law or obeying the rules. And I think that's also probably how he justified the way he viewed this woman coming in. He was just following the rules. He didn't need to be forgiven. You know, he, he was doing what was right by the laws that he obeyed. And uh, I think this is an important thing to remember. Um, when we work through forgiving other people, if someone has hurt me and I forgive them, I'm not saying that like what they did to hurt me was okay. I'm not giving them permission to do that again. Um, I'm merely like, relieving the debt of hurt that I carry around that this person has put on me. But I'm not excusing their behavior at all. So I don't want anyone to think that or believe that, that in the Christian faith, even though we're commanded to forgive, that we're also commanded to like tolerate behavior that demands forgiveness. That's not it at all. Uh, We can still call what someone did sinful and hurtful and not okay and forgive them in the same breath, because that is what Jesus did for us. So, 
Do you find joy and hope? Do you find that the joy and hope of being forgiven is making you more loving? Or do you find that justifying or holding on to things that should be forgiven is making it difficult for you to be loving? Okay, so next, um, forgiveness opens the door to freedom from our sin or leaving our sin behind. And by freedom, I mean leaving sin in the past. So this is a recurring theme in these stories of Jesus forgiving, that he either tells people to leave their sin behind or he sees them make moves in that direction. In the story in Luke 7, we see Jesus telling the woman that her sins are forgiven, and then then she is sent off in peace. In John 8, after Jesus saves the woman caught in adultery from being stoned, he says, neither do I condemn you. Go now, leave your life of sin. And in Luke 19, the story of Zacchaeus, after Zacchaeus has dinner with Jesus, Zacchaeus offers to pay back those people that he's cheated four times over, and Jesus observes that salvation has come to his house. I think he's, he's observing the result of being forgiven, that um, receiving forgiveness and grace opened the door for Zacchaeus to see what he had done and pay it back and move, move on past that. So I believe that the, the Spirit works in our forgiveness to break the hold that sin has on us and allows us to move past it. But on the other side of that, it seems clear that forgiveness alone doesn't fix everything. In Luke 17, Jesus says, be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Seems pretty reasonable. And if he sins against you seven times a day, come back and comes back to you seven times a day, saying, I repent, you must forgive him. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. So that sounds like really difficult to me if you're on the forgiving end. And I think that the apostles agreed, which I think is why they asked the Lord to increase their faith immediately after he told them to do that. It's like, how else could you handle it? It seems very appropriate. Like, all right, you're telling me to do this thing. Please help me to do this. So I believe it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can sustain this lifestyle of continual forgiveness as people continually mess up and repent. But I think on the other end, on the sinning end, this is like really good news. If you struggle with regular sin that you repent from and then return to, you should know that Jesus has accounted for you and he's made it clear that as long as you repent, you'll be forgiven. Um, I think that it's worth saying again, if you struggle with regular sin that you repent from and return to, know that Jesus has accounted for you and he's made it clear that as long as you keep repenting, you will keep being forgiven. And he even went so far as to like command us, your community, to keep forgiving you as long as you keep repenting. So please like receive that good news if you feel like you're stuck in habitual, regular sin, that Jesus has he's made this accounting for you. So is your love towards God and others increasing as the Spirit enables you to forgive or be forgiven over and over? Or are you carrying around an ever-increasing weight which turns your thoughts inwards and makes it difficult to love people? And then um, I see forgiveness as one of God's primary tools for fixing our world. 
If forgiveness opens the door at a personal level for freedom from sin, then it only makes sense to believe that on the larger, more global scale, that this is one of the main tools that God would use to to fix our world and fix the different hurts in our world. In Luke 1, Zechariah is uh, prophesying over his son John the Baptist, and he gives us this insight into God's workings. He says, And you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins. Because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. But there's like kind of a catch to this. And that is that for us who follow Jesus, forgiveness is not a suggestion, it's not optional. It's like a required part of us, of our following Jesus. And that's both us being forgiven and us forgiving other people. In Romans 3, Paul tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by God's grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And again, in Ephesians 2, Paul tells us, For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. So on this individual level, for each of us, we all start at this place where we have sin, we need forgiveness, and the only way to deal with this is through God's grace. It's not through our works, it's not through our intelligence, it's not through how good we are, how many books we've read, or... Um, how many videos we've watched. Personally, I'm a reader. I like to read. I like to try to solve my problems through books. And um, it's very clear that that is not the way that God works. Unless those books are leading me back to God and leading me back to ask for his forgiveness and receive his grace. So that's dealing with like me being forgiven. But then on the subject of me forgiving other people, um, Jesus has some pretty... Direct words in Matthew 18. So Peter approached Jesus and asked him, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed... One million dollars was brought before him. Since he didn't have the money to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell face down before him and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion, released him, and forgave the loan. That servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a couple hundred dollars. He grabbed him and started choking him and said, pay what you owe. At this, his fellow servant fell down and began begging him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing. Instead, he threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? 
And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything he owed. So also my heavenly Father will do to you, unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. Honestly, when I was preparing this, I didn't really want to talk about the forgiving other people part, because it's <laughs> difficult, and difficult to be the person who's uh, challenging on that or asking other people to do that. But um, it's very clear from the words of Jesus that this is not an optional thing. This is a required part of our faith. So please hear him challenging you, challenging me, challenging all of us on this, that this is what he wants us to do. He wants us to be like God, forgiving the people that have sinned against us. So as you, forget, as you pursue your own forgiveness, are you delighted to forgive those around you? Or do you hold on to others' sins and demand payback or punishment? Okay, so we're going to move on to like a more practical piece now. Um, we've gone over like a story about Jesus forgiving someone, and we've talked a little, little bit about what forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't. So the next step should be obvious. Seek forgiveness and forgive as you are being forgiven. At this point, I thought about having everyone like turn to the person next to them, ask them for forgiveness, you know, kind of play it on real time, but uh, that would be a sure way that Josh never asked me to preach again, I think, if I did that. So we're not going to do that. We're going to spend a little bit of time looking at ourselves and thinking about different areas where we either need forgiveness or need to give forgiveness. But first, I want to give a few practical suggestions. Um, first of all, like, what do you do if you hear God speaking to you and he's like, hey, you need to like confess this or you need to forgive this person? Like, what, what do you even do with that? So my first suggestion is to like find someone that you can trust and talk to them about it. Don't like be frightened or try to struggle with this alone if you feel like you don't know what to do. So find someone that you can talk to and pray with them. Ask them if they will pray with you about it. I think in a lot of these stories, it's clear that God is facilitating healing and forgiveness in the presence of other people in community. And um, I think we should do likewise. Like we shouldn't try to just deal with this by ourselves. And I think even within the Christian faith, um, God gives us this, this authority, this, this ministry of forgiving, and I think there's a reason for that. There's something special about us praying with each other through forgiveness. So if you feel like God is prompting you to seek forgiveness or give forgiveness, find someone else to pray with about this. And then I think it's helpful to draw like a line between forgiving someone and reconciling with them. Um, I think there, there's a place if someone has hurt you or you feel like you need to forgive someone for something that you, you can pray and ask God to help you forgive that without just having to like call them on the phone and be like, hey, I need to like forgive you for, for this thing that you did. Um, sometimes like I need to forgive people for things that they don't, it's like, did they really do something wrong or did I like choose to interpret what they did as something that hurt me and then that would be weird if I called them or... <laughs> Maybe sometimes it's like a really tough situation and like 
you need to deal with your own forgiveness before you can even begin to reconcile with that person so that you can enter that conversation with their best interests and not looking for like payback or punishment for this thing that they did to you. So I would encourage you if you feel like you need to forgive someone to deal with that forgiveness first and then talk to a friend and figure out do you need to reconcile with that person and kind of plan out that conversation with someone else. Don't just jump right into it unless you really feel like you know what you're doing. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask God to open our hearts and speak to us about areas where we need we may need forgiveness or we may need to seek forgiveness. And then I'm going to read through some scriptures and read through some questions and what I want y'all to do is just listen. Listen for God to speak to you. Listen for God to prompt you about different areas where you may need forgiveness or you may need to give forgiveness. And then after I read through these scriptures, um, I will pray again and that will be it. And then hopefully, you know, later today or this week, um, if you hear God speaking to you, this is something that you can like uh, uh, work through later, pray through later, bring up to another friend later. All right, so I'm going to pray. Lord, we're just so thankful for the gift of forgiveness. And um, we're just sorry for the areas where we have not repented, we have not forgiven, or where we need forgiveness. Um, just pray that you would speak to each of us about things that we need to deal with. And you would give us the wisdom and courage to know how to deal with those things. So in Matthew 22, Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he says, the first is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. So to put it simply, if you are failing to love God in some way with, your, with all your heart or with all your soul or with all your mind, then there is sin there that you need to be forgiven for, that needs to be repented for. And uh, if you are failing in some way to love your neighbor as yourself, whether that's like your literal neighbor, um, your roommate, your coworker, um, maybe someone, someone out there that you're failing to love in some way, then yeah, you need to ask for forgiveness. In Romans 12, 10, we're told to love one another with brotherly affection and to outdo one another in showing honor. Is there anyone in your life or in our community who you struggle to show brotherly affection towards? Or is there anyone that you can't imagine outdoing in showing honor towards? In Galatians 5, Paul tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Are there parts of your life where these fruits struggle to grow? Are there relationships in your life where these fruits are lacking, where you don't see them growing? And then in Ephesians 4, Paul instructs us, Therefore, put away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down in your anger, and don't give the devil an opportunity. 
Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands, so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need, so that it gives grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander, be removed from you, along with all malice, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. So are you struggling to speak the truth to anyone? Do you see bitterness, anger, wrath, slander, or malice present in your life, or present in any relationships that you have with anyone? And are there people that you struggle to be kind and compassionate towards. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see the areas where um, your forgiveness needs to work in our lives. And I pray that you would show us just the, the amount of grace that you have for us and the amount of mercy that you have for us and what is in store for us on the other side of that. Just how much deeper our relationships can be and how much more loving our community can be if we'll embrace the grace and mercy that you're offering us. Amen. Thank you so much, Ryan. I can't believe that you took that conversation we had about forgiveness and not forgiving somebody and turned it into an entire sermon. So embarrassing. <laughs> uh, I'm president of the Ryan Poche Fan Club, and we are kind of open for people joining at the time. And it's really the other way around. We would love Ryan to share with our community more, but we don't want to stress him out and, <laughs> um, and ask too much of him. But we love getting to hear from the leaders in our community the things that God's been putting on their hearts. And so if you're newish here, you'll notice the mic gets passed quite a bit to leaders in our community, and that's a good thing. That's on purpose. God speaks through a lot of different people, and we've all got different styles and different ways of sharing things, and that's good. That's a good thing. It helps all of us grow together. So um, just a little bit about Family of Churches, if you haven't picked up on some stuff, is that, uh, firstly, my name is Joshua. I'm one of the staff here, and, and I'm also president of the Franklin Fan Club, so, you know, both those things are my title. Um, we are a community of churches, a family of churches planted around the Dallas-Fort Worth area to just be, uh, to reach this area and to also support these focus ministries. Many of you have heard of focus recently or have been part of it for a little while. We want to help support those ministries as well as turn these college students that come out of college into disciples who continue serving the Lord through their entire life, as Kurt was talking about earlier, and really finishing well. And that's how we work together with focus. And we have five churches across the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And our goal here, our mission here, is to make immature disciples who love, serve, and share Jesus. And so we're glad you're here, um, and thanks for coming. And we have a few announcements that we're going to go through. And there's a little more today than normal, so please try your best to, to, to pay attention because most of the stuff that we really want you to know and that you don't want to miss and things happening in our community. So the first thing is just our fall small groups. For anyone who's not part of Focus, if you've already graduated or you're a grad student, sometimes grad students do either one. If you've already graduated, uh, we would love for you to be part of our small groups this fall. And our sign-up has been up for about a week and a half, which means we're getting close to closing that and putting a lot of small groups together. So go to getyourchurch.com slash small groups to sign up. 
and do that as soon as possible. We're, we're working to try to make sure all those markets have similar numbers of people and all that stuff and figure out what days work best for people, but we need to get that rolling because they're going to start the second week of September. So please don't miss signing up for a small group. We'd love for you to be part of those. That's a great way to, to learn together, grow together, make friends as well, and, and live in community. And so that's uh, a big part of our church community. The next thing is that the monthly prayer night, which is a super cool event that our shepherds, Don and Kurt, started about a year and a half ago. Um, but that's going to be happening a different night than normal. We're moving up to Thursday nights. So that's going to be a little weird for those of you who attended regularly. Don't fall into the habit and just show up at the Hollingsworth's house on Monday night. They will not be happy. Just kidding. Um, so that's going to be September 8th at 7 p.m. And we just have a one-hour prayer night where we pray for our city, for our country, for our community, and the needs that are right here and the people in this room. It's a really sweet time. Please don't miss that. Everyone's invited. And Hannah, would you come here about the slide stuff? Yeah. Hello. 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 Um, I'm Hannah McGinty with the operations team. John needs some help with slides. Help John. So Kyle moved to Fort Worth, so he needs some help. So any one of y'all, I see so many faces here today, at least one of you want to help John with slides. So, So what Shayla said, I just want to echo that. Um, if you're a college student, you can help with slides. You can also help with like sound team. We do coffee. We do so many things here. So if you want to be more involved at DNC, just talk to me, Jam, um, who else? <laughs> Someone yes. who looks like they know what they're doing. Yep. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> and then Stephen, will you come up to you and share about the volleyball thing? Sorry to spring this on you. I didn't copy. Stephen sent me a text about this cool volleyball event, and I just didn't put it in my notes. So now he gets to come and share in real life, in real time. Yes. Hi, everyone. So for those of you who don't know, a bunch of us in Focus used to play volleyball every Friday night at either Little Elm or Soft Lakes. But we're going to move it to Sundays at 3 p.m. Uh, so that's today in a few hours. So if y'all are you know, done having lunch with church people and have a free hour or two in your afternoons, please come play volleyball with us. We're going to go to South Lakes Park today. It's hopefully going to be uh, like good and dry and not all hard with the sand after the rain. But that's going to be a lot of fun. Come even if you don't like to play volleyball. A lot of people sometimes just show up to have fun. We just want to start pushing community and bonding outside of yeah, just like Sunday morning services. And so, yeah, please come out and hang out with us. Yeah! <laughs> I, uh, I told Steve that we'd help him make us live, but I didn't get it to our slide people at the time. So he thought this was our best effort. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. Anyway, they've been doing that for a while, and I didn't even know about that. And I was like, I think there's a lot of the church folks who would love to get to hang out. The students and, get, and the focus staff get to play volleyball. So that's just one thing that you can do to get to know people a little bit better and have fun at the same time. Okay, a few things, the last couple things that we don't announce every week at all, but I want to make sure you know about our first, the newsletter. We have an email newsletter. It's just a quick kind of bullet point deal of the things that you need to know for the week and links to press, you know, click stuff, sign up things, whatever events are happening in our community. And it's just a convenient once a week email. So you can sign up for that at networkchurch.com slash newsletter. We also have a podcast where we just put our sermons up. So if you miss a week or you want to hear something again, I think there's quite a 
quite a bit in Ryan's sermon specifically, I was thinking I want to go listen to again to make sure I don't miss it. So you can go to dentnorthchurch.com slash podcast and search for, I mean, and, and add it, or you can just go to any podcast app. We're literally on every podcast app that I knew about and could even find about. And so if you have some new one, it might not be on there, but I think everyone's using like the same three or four podcast apps. So we're on there as well. I want to make sure you guys do about that. We also have a social network of sorts where we can chat during the week and also just know about different things that are going on. And it is uh, at dentonorthchurch.com slash social network. The thing is really called Mighty Networks, but it's just kind of a cumbersome word. And so, you know, we'll figure out a different term for that at some point. But it's a great way to just to connect with people, know about things that are going on, and also even post things like, hey, a bunch of us are going to go do this, a bunch of us are going to play volleyball, or a bunch of us are going to go to lunch after church at this place. It's just an easy way to, to help people know what's happening and help them get involved. Um, and this the last thing is giving. Uh, our priorities for giving are to put back into you guys and to minister to you guys and serve you guys as well as in also ministering to our city and blessing the city that God placed us in and the kingdom of God. We want to be a family of churches that, as God calls us to plant more churches and resource ministries in different places, we want to say yes to those things he calls us to. So those are our big priorities for giving. You can give at debtnorthchurch.com slash donate. You can set up a recurring gift or do a one-time gift. And you can also do it on Venmo. We are in the 21st century. We have Venmo. I'm going to say a short prayer for our time together today and for our offering, and then we can start stacking the chairs and uh, mingling and hanging out some more. Lord, thank you so much for this chance just to be reminded of the nature of your forgiveness. Thank you so much for speaking through Ryan, and um, Lord, I just pray that you help us take that message to heart and help us work through that this week and, and not be a missed opportunity to uh, really think through those who we need to forgive or um, the forgiveness that we need to ask for and think through ourselves, Lord. Thanks for being a God who's just so generous with your forgiveness and that you call us to a similar standard um, and that you invite us into that as well. Well, thanks for this chance just to worship you together, to love you, to just get to be grateful for what you've done for us and, and as individuals and as a whole community. Help us to be a community that really just loves you well, reflects your love well to others, and um, help us just be a blessing to the city you place us in. You're so good to us. Thanks for uh, just all that you do and for loving us so, so well. Here I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.